Hey, welcome to Real Talk with Nina. I'm Nina, and shit is about to get real and different. This episode, I have chosen to have more of a question answer vibe. I don't have any guests on today, so it's just my voice. So I'm not sure if that's a deterrent <laughs> or, or an enticing sales pitch, but you're just going to get my voice. So I wanted to gather some questions that I've received from people who either follow me on social media or questions that have been submitted online through my website anonymously and just answer them and see where this goes. So we're going to dive right in because I mean, who the hell wants to waste time? All right. First question. My boyfriend is 25 and I'm 23. He's a caring and unselfish partner in most aspects. However, he's been having issues ejaculating during sex with me ever since the beginning of our relationship. He once even pulled his phone out in front of me during sex to masturbate to a porn video to finish himself off. He asks me to moan and act a certain way during sex that is very porn-like and artificial in my opinion. I decided to ask him to try to stop watching porn for a month to see if it would help his issue and make him less reliant. He agreed and promised to stop. Of course, a couple of weeks later, I caught him breaking his promise. He tried to lie to me about his broken promise, but later confessed to watching porn again. He admitted that he was more attracted to porn stars than me or any girl he's ever been with in real life. Because I was so upset, he apologized profusely and promised again he would try for real this time, while acknowledging the possibility of a real porn addiction. What do I do in this situation? My boyfriend isn't a conventional porn addict in the sense that he does not consume immense quantities of porn. He watches every other day and spends about an hour on the activity each time. That's normal, right? Still, it's affecting our sex life profoundly. The feeling of rejection, knowing that he chooses porn over me is really eating away at my self-esteem. Since we're both students, we can't really afford a sex therapist. Any advice you have would be amazing. So, Oh, this is heavy. And, and I'm sorry that you guys are going through this, but I want to kind of break this down and address each paragraph separately because there's kind of a underlying issues in each of them. So the first one talked about pulling out his phone in front of you to have sex, to masturbate, to porn. I want to humanize a lot of that. And I want to share with you where I think you know, perhaps something needs to be worked on, right? So for people to need to fantasize or kind of escape reality for a bit or, you know, come up with something other than what's going on in that moment or maybe exaggerating the current moment with an additional fantasy is is normal. That's human. What is disrespectful, it sounds like, in your relationship is that he did it in the middle of sex and really it seemed more like a, a solo thing and you weren't really involved. Not all men can ejaculate during sex, period. Not all men can ejaculate during a blowjob or vaginal penetration or anal penetration or a hand job. Not all men can ejaculate with a partner. And that needs to be like really truly understood. A lot of that is psychological. Most of it is psychological. If there's a clinical issue, then he's probably not ejaculating on his own either. So if he's ejaculating on his own and can't with a partner, which by the way is very common for women as well, it's a it's a head game thing, right? And it sounds to me like this porn habit of his is making this more difficult for him. So the other piece is pulling out his phone during sex in front of you to masturbate to porn. I can imagine made you feel um, super disconnected you know, like you weren't even in the room and that can hurt. And, you know, I don't know what kind of communication went on in that moment. Maybe 
had he said, oh, this is not working. I'm so sorry. My head, I just can't get into it. I'm, you know, there's too many things going on in my head. I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself. I need to just stop for a bit. Could we just watch porn and I can kind of get into another frame of mind and kind of quiet my head down, right? There's communication around that, that could have happened to make it a little more of a partner experience versus like a one-sided event. The other thing about him asking you to moan, I have clients that say, I wish my spouse would, or my girlfriend or boyfriend would, um, would talk dirty, right? I actually created a guide about dirty talking that you can find on my website that goes over this specifically because so many people were asking, I don't, I want to talk dirty or my partner wants me to talk dirty. I don't even know how to, right? So him asking you for what he thinks is hot, there's nothing abnormal about that. I encourage people to say, hey, this is what would turn me on. How do you feel about doing that? Right? So there's the other half of it. <laughs> it's not just, I want this, so you will do it. It's, hey, these are the kind of things that really turn me on. Are you open to any of them? Right? It feels very different than someone saying, start moaning, it's hot. Right? It's just like, it's, it's a little un, unnatural. It feels forced. And anything that's forced is, is not a very sexy time. As far as you asking him to stop watching porn for a month to see if it would help, and he agreed. Of course he's gonna agree, he doesn't wanna hurt you, is my assumption. Of course he wants you to not be upset about this. I'm sure there's a tremendous amount of shame coming from him as well. So he's going to say, yes, I'm going to stop, right? The problem with that is that most of us change when we see that there's more in it for us to change than for us to stay the same. And I always say change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. That's when change happens. And I think when we're dealing with dopamine rushes and adrenaline rushes like porn can absolutely have on us, it almost makes it harder because now we've got like our own brain chemicals working against us to try to say like, I'm, I'm sure that he's aware that porn is causing major riff in your relationship. That seems clear. I think what he's probably battling is he's probably been doing this for a while before you. And his brain has gotten to the point where he is depending on porn to get his head to where he needs it to be in order to have an orgasm. And that's, that's nobody's fault, right? I mean, we live in a society where porn is free and is accessible at the click of a button. And there's wonderful things about that. And there's not so wonderful things about that. And, you know, when you said after a couple of weeks, I caught him breaking his promise, that feeling of being caught, right? If you have stuff going on in a relationship where someone needs to hide something from you because they, it's like this forbidden thing. And I, and I talk to clients about this, whose partner has a big problem with them masturbating, right? I have a big problem with people having a problem with their partners masturbating. But when I speak to people about it, like, oh, I feel like I have to hide it. So I'll masturbate in the basement while he's upstairs or while she's upstairs. And that it breeds resentment and disconnect. That's a huge piece of who we are, is our sexuality. And if you can't share that with the person that you are in a sexual relationship with, it's almost, it's, it, it makes it very difficult to connect wholly.
So we don't want to give ultimatums, right? We don't want to give ultimatums. We can only share with our partner how we're responding to their behavior. And then you, as an adult, have to make the decision. And again, it's not like if you don't stop, I'm leaving to force him to stop. It's like, look, clearly this isn't working. Clearly at this point in your life, I am not providing you with the stimulation you need, whether it's physical, um, emotional, right? And I don't want to be in a relationship like that. I want to feel desired. And it doesn't seem like that's possible right now. And I think as, as an adult, you kind of have to make that decision. Is this something that you are okay sitting with and being in a relationship? Or would it be better if you said, hey, you know, I love you. If, you know, if you're at that point, um, but I love myself too. And this isn't working, right? Um, encourage him to see someone to process this stuff and figure out what's, you know, what's at the, at the base of it. I also don't know what kind of communication you've had together, right? So if he feels that the only way he can entertain some of his fantasies is to watch it in porn, when in reality, a lot of our fantasies, you know, after some sometimes difficult, honest conversations with our partner can be entertained within our relationship on a multitude of levels. It's like one of the number one things I do in coaching. I have this fantasy. I don't know, I don't know how to tell my partner or I've told my partner, we both think it's hot, but we have no idea how to kind of replicate it in, in our real life, in our, in our relationship. So I think you know, maybe he has, you know, again, I don't know what he's watching, but maybe he's got certain fantasies that he's afraid to talk about, or, you know, certain fantasies that get him riled up, but maybe he's ashamed of them. You know, so there's, it's never just black and white is my point. And I also want to talk about, you mentioned your boyfriend isn't a quote unquote conventional porn addict in the sense that he does not consume immense quantities of porn. And then you went on to say that he watches every other day, spends about an hour. I want to take all of that off of here because I can tell you right now, that's probably not true. He probably doesn't watch every other day for about an hour. That's, that's so, that's such a specific answer. You know, I just, I don't think that that's it. I don't think it's true. And I don't think it matters. I know people who watch porn every single day and it does not impact their sexual functioning, their attraction to their partner, their ability to come back down to real life. Just like I know people who could have three or four beers in a night on the weekend and never develop alcoholism. And I know people that can have that started out that way and are now full-blown alcoholics. So each of us is so different. So there is no general like definition uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff. So that's another piece too. The bottom line is it's affecting your sex life profoundly. Those were your words. And the feeling of rejection is real. And I get that. I can see that. I can completely understand that. So what I would do is, again, this is just a suggestion. Stop with the demands and the ultimatums because oftentimes that actually just creates more secrecy and more fear in, in being vulnerable and honest with each other. So it's not about telling him to stop watching porn for a month to see what happens. Because if he still wants to watch porn all the time, he's going to. I think what's important is you cannot change his behavior. You can let him know how it's impacting you, what you'd love to see happen in the relationship, meaning I would love for us to be able to X, Y, Z, you know, have intimate moments without porn or 
You know, I'd love for us to have more conversations about what our fantasies are. I would love to have more vulnerable conversations about this stuff. And if he's incapable of doing that right now in his life, then that call needs to be made by you. Look, this, this, I love you. This is, I know this is hurting both of us. I can't be in a relationship right now or ever where I don't feel desired and connected to my partner. That doesn't work for me. And I'm not telling you what you have to do. I'm encouraging you to get help. So maybe, you know, down the line, we can revisit a relationship. Um, that's one avenue. Or you can stay with him and continue to feel this way. You could stay with him while he processes all this stuff in therapy. I'm not saying you have to leave someone so they can get help. These are just different options. But I would suggest having conversations about the porn that he watches without shaming him, right? If he has kinks that really turn him on and he's embarrassed or afraid to tell you, then it's gonna be really hard for him to be fulfilled sexually, right? And, and I'm not saying that every person has to wanna do every single thing your partner wants because that's, that's a ridiculous expectation. But there's kind of a spectrum of things we can do with our partners that can help elicit the same feelings we have when we fantasize about something. So for example, I coach people who have a lot of fantasies about other people involved in their relationship. So an open marriage, swinging, hot wifing, all that stuff. But they both are like, look, we don't actually want to do it because I, we're pretty sure we can't. But the fantasy is so hot for us. And we have no idea how to kind of incorporate that into our lives. Well, I mean, I've got a gazillion things you could do. Getting a, you can, you can get a doll, you know, and pretend that it's a third person. You can just verbally talk to each other as if there's a third person there. I mean, there's like, there's a lot of fun ways to incorporate fantasies into the the confines of your actual relationship and not including other people. Uh, have open communication with him about his fantasies and yours, right? Like our relationship is not just sexually one-sided. Both of you need to feel, you know, at least mostly fulfilled, right? We can't be fulfilled all the time. That's, that's crazy. That's like crazy talk, but have open conversations, talk about fantasies. So that's, that's what I would recommend. I hope that helps a little bit. And we're going to go on to another one. Okay. I'm a gay woman in my thirties with a question about masturbation etiquette. Right off the bat, I just see shame all over this. The fact that someone believes there's etiquette to masturbation, you know, aside from doing it like in public makes me sad that, that there's like rules around something that's so natural. But since coming out in my teens, I've gone by the rule that masturbating while fantasizing about good friends is a violation of the trust and a friendship, but that other characters in my life, like a sexy lecturer or a hot boss, a cute client, et cetera, are fair game. Someone from my professional life has over a couple of years made the slide into what I consider a genuine friend. And in the process, my attraction to her has only intensified. She's my number one fantasy for longer than I care to admit. Do I need to stop if she's not my friend or am I being too paranoid prudish with my rule? Obviously, I would never ever confess this to the woman in question, she's straight, or anyone connected with her at my work. This situation has the added nuance that it's not just a friendship. It is an actively flirty friendship, which means so this gay woman 
Is it an actively flirtatious relationship with a straight woman? Really not abnormal either, in case anyone's wondering. Um, I've made it clear that I find her attractive and she basks in and encourages my attentions. Also normal. For context, I'm junior in both age and professional hierarchy. If I'm giving her cheeky compliments to her face, does that make it less dishonest to be getting off behind her back? Okay. All right. So again, I'm going to do the same thing here. I'm going to kind of go through each of these sections and share my two cents or like 55 subs. Again, aside from, you know, masturbating in public or doing it illegally in some way, there are no rules to masturbation or what you're supposed to think about when you're masturbating. So right off the bat, can you fantasize about your friends? Absolutely. How the hell are you supposed to turn into a robot just because they're now your friend? If you find somebody attractive, you find somebody attractive. If it's a friend, if it's a teacher, if it's the doctor you just saw, if it's somebody in the grocery store, right? We are, we are human. I think people forget this sometimes. Again, I think a lot of it is our, our culture that you know, forces us to intellectualize all of our humanness when it's really freaking hard to do that. There's nothing wrong with you fantasizing about your friend who you're attracted to. Rock on. Like, yes, go for it, right? You're not hurting anybody. You're not doing anything illegal. Those are thoughts. Those are thoughts. Thoughts are neutral at their inception. They're labeled due to cultural messaging. All right. So you fantasizing about an attractive female and yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. You find women attractive. So if there's an attractive woman, it isn't like your desire goes, you know what? She's my friend. Therefore she's ugly. Right. I mean, it, total, it makes total sense. She's attractive. I'd be shocked if you didn't fantasize about her. I think a lot of times, especially because there's flirtation there, you know, so clearly there's some sexual tension there. Whether anything is ever acted on is, has nothing to do with it. It's just there's this sexual tension. I, I would be surprised if you didn't fantasize about her, whether she's straight or not. It's, it's just a fantasy. You're getting off to an attractive woman on your own, with your own fantasies. And, and as far as, oh, if I'm complimenting her to her face, does it make it less dishonest that I get off to her behind her back? They're not even related. They're literally not even related. There's nothing dishonest about fantasizing about someone. Nothing, 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 nothing. Fantasize about whatever the hell you want to fantasize about. I don't care if it's your boss, if it's your, if it's your best friend. I mean, they're just thoughts. They're just fantasies. I mean, my assumption is if all of us kind of shared all of our fantasies with each other, I don't think we would be very shocked with our own anymore. I think you'd be very surprised what people fantasize about. Trust me, what if she fantasizes about you? What if she's gotten off to you? What if other people around you have gotten off to you? Do you think they should feel guilty or that they're dishonest or no, right? I mean, maybe you'd be flattered, but no, there's, there's no requirement to tell her. There's no requirement to not fantasize about specific people. Nope. Everything about this is so human. Want to fantasize about an attractive woman? Yes, go do it. <laughs> go fantasize all you want. There's nothing that you're doing that's wrong or dishonest or or nothing. Absolutely nothing. I hope that helps. <laughs> I hope that helps. You're totally human. The next two questions are about kids and sexuality. And this is such a loaded conversation, you know, about what do you do if you catch your kids playing doctor and showing their private parts to each other? Or when do you start having the conversation about sex with your kids? And 
you can go on different websites and find different age brackets where it says from this age to this age, this is how you can talk about sex from this age to this age. This is how, and, and those are great guidelines. However, you know, your kid best. I have friends whose kids are the same age as mine and they wouldn't have any of the conversations that I've had with my kids and vice versa. So it totally depends on your kids and and their maturity level as they age. So, you know, and it's also what they're going to be exposed to. Like, I can't control what they hear about in school. And actually, most of the conversations I've had with my kids are a direct result of something they've heard in school, and they come home and ask me. I always recommend asking them what they know, right? So if if your kid comes home and says, mom, what's sex? Ask them back. Well, what do you think it is? What have you heard? Because truthfully, some of them might have heard an accurate description. Somebody, one of your kids might say, oh, I heard it was when the penis goes into the vagina, which granted we know that penetrative sex is not always between a woman and a man. Um, but a lot of times they're talking about babies is usually how it comes up when they're really young, how, did, how are babies made? And again, the only way to have babies is not just penis and vagina. I, I'm, I'm acutely aware of that. However, at a very young age, I knew that my kids, that would go so far over their head if I dove into infertility and IVF and adoption. And like, I, you know, that would have been way over their heads. Do they know about it now? Absolutely. We have gay and lesbian family members. We have a trans cousin. I have trans friends. I have drag queen friends. I have gay friends. I, so my kids understand all of it. But you, it, it's, it's how, how well do you know your kids? And if you don't think that they're ready for something and there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, this conversation is so important. And I want to make sure that I tell you the information in a way that's going to make sense to you. So if you can just give me a day or two, so I can figure out how to explain this in a way that's not confusing. You don't, I think a lot of parents are afraid to get caught off guard and like, welcome to parenthood we're always fucking caught off guard, right? But when it comes to these important conversations, I really encourage you to say, that is a great question. And I have to figure out how to answer it in a way that isn't gonna be confusing. So can we revisit this in a day or two? Give yourself some time. If you have to call your pediatrician and find out, if you wanna do some Google searches, if you wanna talk to your friends to figure out how they've had the conversation, you do not have to answer your kids immediately. But the most important thing is that you acknowledge the question. You do not shame them for asking, even though you really want to. Like, how the hell do you think I'm supposed to talk to you about this? I get it, right? Been there. But it's that's a great question. I wasn't prepared for that question. And I want to make sure I answer it in a way that will make sense for your age. So let's revisit this tomorrow and we'll go from there and then move on to something else. The greatest message we can give our kids is that shame and sexuality should not go hand in hand. And the hardest part about that is that we are fighting against centuries of shitty messaging. So there are some things that we might not ever be able to compete with. They're exposed to way more peer and media shit than we could possibly provide them as a parent in our home when we see them just a few hours a day and half the time they're on technology. But encouraging them to ask you anytime, not get mad at them when they're asking and be okay saying, I wanna make sure I give you the best answer for your age without confusing you. Let's come back to me in a day or two. We'll talk about this in a day or two. Is that cool? Yeah, all right, let's go grab dinner. 
You know, it's the more taboo and scary things are, kids internalize that. Hell, adults internalize it. So that's that's my advice for the whole sex talk thing is, yes, typically they encourage you to start out with the biology piece of it when they're really young, like sperm meets egg and there's a baby. And a lot of times kids are like so bored with that. They're like, oh, okay, anyway, let's go play. But as they get older, they might have more questions. Does it hurt? Right? These are legitimate questions. And as they get older, they might even ask questions that have nothing to do with biology. And then those conversations get a little more... <laughs> A little more intricate when they say, well, then what if people don't want a baby? Do they just never have sex? It's so hard. I know. I wish these were all easy conversations. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't caught, you know, like a deer in the headlights with my own. And I do this for a living, but it is different when it's your kids. It is different. Same thing goes with when, if you catch your kids playing doctor, kids playing doctor at a young age is textbook. I think a lot of the discomfort for us as parents comes from the fact that we're at an age where we don't separate curiosity from sexual feelings. To us and our brains, wanting to see other people's private parts or touching somebody else's private parts is sexual. You'd be hard pressed to find a 40 year old going up to a man or a woman and touching their private parts and going, I was just curious, it wasn't anything sexual. <laughs> but as kids, it is. It is, and same with masturbation. It is not a sexual thing the way we see it as a sexual thing. It's much more concrete. I'm curious as to what that different person's body looks like and what it feels like, period. And include in, like I said, with masturbation, there is pleasure for masturbation. The body, their bodies are experiencing physiological pleasure, but it isn't like they're sitting there fantasizing the way we do as adults. It's, it's literally a physiological thing. Wow, when I touch this, this feels good, period. As an adult, it is 100% sexual. And that's where we as parents have a really hard time. And, you know, the best thing to do when any of this stuff comes up, one, again, I'm like an anti-shamer, right? So if you were to walk in on your kids playing doctor and they quickly, you know, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It's a quick, you know, comment and redirect. So if you were to walk in on your kids playing doctor, clearly they're going to kind of recoil because they know they're doing something secretive. Guys, put your clothes back on. That is not appropriate. You're going to want to throw up. I get it. Right. But it's a very much, that's not appropriate. Put your clothes back on and then leave later on, later on sit them down for a conversation. And the conversation is not some big, scary, shame-filled, what the hell were you doing conversation? It's, hey, I know earlier was really uncomfortable. I want you guys to know that I understand you're curious about body parts, but it is not appropriate to show other people our body parts or touch other people's body parts or have other people touch ours the doctor, you know, whatever your rules are that you've already had. Like the, I, I even tell my kids, even though the doctor's allowed to, they need your permission. So I'm just, I'm super, super big with consent and private parts. So teaching them about consent is also really important. And you can start that, you know, when they start talking, talking about consent, not just sexually, but to give a hug, to play with toys, consent is consent is consent and teaching them at a young age that it's, that it's a non-negotiable it, you know, kind of transfers into all different aspects of their life. The things you want to look out for, if there's no consent, 
meaning one is making the other one do it or guilting them into it. Those kind of things don't feel right, even to the kid. So, you know, if you walk in and the kids are giggling and being goofy, you're like, oh my God, we just got caught. That's like textbook. But if you walk in and, you know, one is doing something to another one and you can tell there's like, this is not a mutually agreed upon thing. You want to watch out for that. And if something like that happens, absolutely speak with your child, speak to a therapist that can give you better direction on how, on how to handle the specific incident. I also recommend that if it's your child and a friend of theirs or, or, you know, a neighbor, if you catch them, I absolutely encourage you to tell the parent of the other child. So they're aware of it as well. So again, you can, you can look online. I think Dr. Sears has a great website and talks about this stuff too, but playing doctor is textbook for young kids and they're goofy about it. It's not a sexual thing. It's not a power hungry thing or anything like that. When it gets to a point where they're older or one is, you know, a few years older than the other one. And there's, there's this, you know, this it's forced or that's, that's troublesome. And now, now we're talking about, you know, emotional consequences, you know, and we want to avoid anybody being traumatized like that. So that would be my advice for that. Okay. Last question we're going to go over is how do you recommend I give my boyfriend oral sex without gagging? He asked for it, but I'm always worried I'll get sick. This is coming from a straight woman. So here's the thing guys. Um, Again, a lot of this comes from porn where you feel like the only way to give a good blowjob is literally having it halfway down your throat and gagging and then spitting all over it and it's a mess and you've got drool coming off your chin. And look, <laughs> if that's your game, awesome, awesome, go for it. But for a lot of folks, it's not, it's not. And I, and I would guarantee that if I went out on a limb and said, if the roles were reversed, and a man had to take something down his throat that was consistently gagging him, um, it, isn't, it isn't the best feeling. I think porn kind of fucks us up on that one, right? The other misconception is that when you give a blowjob, you're only supposed to use your mouth. Big time, no, <laughs> right? Using your hands is a wonderful thing to add different kinds of stimulation, to add more pressure, to switch things up, and to give your mouth a break. I mean, look, women are awesome and we can pretty much do it all, but we're also human and having your jaw open for that long of a time hurts. This isn't about torturing yourself to see how sexy you can be for your boyfriend, right? Again, I know that our society has taught us that that's what our job is, but I can guarantee you it's not. So use your hands, take a, a breather, you know, like don't, don't feel like you just have to constantly have your mouth on him. There's a whole bunch of other things to do. The other thing is you can get oral sex masturbation sleeves. They're like little half sleeves. They're like a silicone half tube, like a half of a silicone tube. And you can use that on the base of the shaft to like the middle. Your mouth can be used from the tip where the head is, which is the most sensitive anyway, to the middle. So you're not worried about him going so deep where, you know, that, that, that sleeve kind of acts as a barrier from going down your throat. You know, pushing somebody's head down is like, Again, if that's your thing and it, and it turns both partners on, by all means, go for it. But for those of you who are like, dude, I hate it. It hurts. I gag. My eyes water. If you wanted to try that on your partner, you take the lead. 
and let your partner know, hey, I really want to see how far I can go. Don't move. Don't push my head. Don't thrust yourself into my mouth, right? I will vomit on you. There's that, there's that possibility. So unless you're into that, let me do what I need to do. This specific question is coming from a woman who is afraid to gag. So what I'm saying is that there are plenty of ways to reduce the chance of that happening. Use your hands, right? Use your hands. You can use a little helper sleeve. You can flat out say to your boyfriend, I'm so afraid I'm going to gag. So let me do my own thing. Lay back. I'm, I'm going to do this to you, but just lay back. I want to kind of feel this one out on my own. But again, like it's called a gag reflex. Like it's a human thing. And all of a sudden I feel like women feel that we're not supposed to gag. Like what the hell do you think is going to happen? If I stuck my finger down my throat, I would hit my gag reflex. The dick is no different. So it's not like we developed these superpowers, right? So hands, take a break, use a oral sex masturbation sleeve. You'll see they're like these um, kind of these stumpy silicone tubes that you would put on his dick first and use that for a fun sensation on the shaft and then use your mouth on, you know, from the tip to like midway down and just go slow, go slow. There's, there's nothing to be afraid of. I think a lot of times women are afraid because we feel like we have to live up to the porn stars and we're afraid he's going to push our head down or push himself into our mouth. And yeah, that's intimidating because who the hell wants to puke on somebody when you're trying to be sexy? Nobody. So have a conversation. Hey, this is what I'd like to try. I'm super into pleasing you. I want to try this, but I need you to lay back. Do not, don't push yourself into me. Don't push my head down. Let me see what I'm capable of. And as I get more comfortable, we can talk about doing other things, right? So you decide how far you go down. And if he wants the entire shaft stimulated, great. You've got two hands. You could do a shitload of stuff with those two hands while you're going down on him. It doesn't have to be just your mouth. It doesn't have to be just your mouth. So I hope that helps. Two, so this was a totally new thing. Not sure if you guys like this or not. I had fun. Again, you can find me on Instagram at Nina Real Talk. You can find me on Facebook at Real Talk with Nina. You can go to my website, realtalkwithnina.com. I am a certified sex coach for individuals and couples. You can find that on my website. Again, the Real Talk with Nina, go to the coaching tab and you can fill out a discovery request form and we can have an initial free 20 minute conversation. I can find out what's going on and see if I can help. And that's about it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. The Real Talk with Nina podcast drops new episodes every other Tuesday. Thanks for listening. You'll hear from me soon.